I was in a training once with a trainer who said, the children will seek out what they need. For me, that was really eye-opening to say that I don't need to structure our day and over-schedule all these transitions so that we have math time and we have reading time and we have science time. Letting those things come in more naturally, I think is more meaningful for the children. Hi everyone, so glad you're here. I'm your host, Mamie, and welcome to the Teaching with Class podcast where we explore topics that help educators deepen their connections with children and enhance their social, emotional, and cognitive growth and development. Today, we're talking about supporting learning through child-led play. Our guest, Devin Thomas, shares her experiences in following children's lead and how it has impacted the children that she teaches in her in-home play-based child care center. Devin started her career in early childhood 10 years ago at a center-based childcare. She also babysat and volunteered at theater camp for kids. She eventually worked her way up to being a preschool teacher, teaching infants to pre-K. She stepped away from childcare and opened her own in-home daycare. She is passionate about the connections between play and learning and how literacy, science, and math can all be explored through play. I hope you enjoy the conversation. We are so fortunate to have Devin Thomas with us today. She is an owner of a play-based child care center out of her home for children's ages two to four. So welcome, Devin. Hi. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. And I would love if you would talk to us about your in-home child care. How did it come about? How'd you get started? I have been open for about a year now, just a little over a year now, actually opened in the middle of the pandemic, just pretty crazy. I was working in the office of a small private school and was furloughed voluntarily so that I could focus on my own two kids that needed to be at home. And prior to that, I had worked in a licensed child care facility, a center-based place for many years. So I had that experience and training to lead me to opening my own home daycare. And I love it because I feel like it's the best of both worlds for me. I get to uh, be home with my kids, get my oldest on and off the bus now that schools are back open while I have still a fulfilling career in childcare and education. That was amazing that you took that, uh, that leap of faith, right? During, during COVID, during the pandemic to start your own business. And it's so wonderful that it's working out so well for you. And I love that your children are able to be with you every day while you support um, additional children in, in your home. And I know you're passionate about making the most of interactions. I know that you know a bit about class. So making the most of those interactions in the play-based learning that children do. And we know that's really how children learn the best. So can you tell us a little bit more about what this looks and sounds like in your program? Sure. For me, it starts with observing, watching, noticing what the children are interested in. What are they gravitating towards? talking to them about what they are excited about, getting those questions going back and forth, 
and then taking it from there. What activities am I going to plan? What materials am I going to put out in our playroom that go along with that, that interest that's, that they are showing me? One example I really like to share is that last year, shortly after I got started, I was noticing that my children were all really interested in block play, building things, uh, tools. And so I started kind of providing blocks outside as well as inside. And then a total stroke of luck, the developer in our neighborhood decided to build two new houses directly across the street from us. So what went from this sort of, you know, just normal interest in building with blocks just exploded into all these questions about construction and building and what are the tools that these guys across the street are using. We literally watched uh, the cement mixer come and pour the foundations um, we watched the framers come and put up the walls. We watched a crane truck bring in the rafters for the roof. And so, you know, they were so excited. We would sit on the hill in the front yard and just watch and talk about it. And then to take it further, I provided books, uh, you know, and stories about building and construction. I provided books about animal homes, the different kinds of nests and burrows that animals build, and then even books about uh, homes all around the world in different cultures to get us going on some different conversations. I provided styrofoam and golf tees so they could practice hammering with their nails. You know, I would put out different little invitations uh, some mornings, like one day it was blocks and dinosaurs. Can you build the dinosaurs a home? And then uh, when the houses across the street were finished, we actually built a little birdhouse and painted it and we took it across the street to, to the new neighbors to welcome them to the neighborhood. Oh, um, so yeah, it was really fun. It was really sweet. Um, you know, we of course had to keep our distance, but we welcomed them to the neighborhood. And for me, you know, watching this whole project unfold over several weeks, we addressed, uh, math and science concepts. We addressed concepts in the natural world. We, um, you know, hammering the golf tees was good fine motor exercise for them. And we even addressed social and emotional learning by welcoming these new neighbors and being good citizens in our neighborhood. And the fact that this was all based in the interest that they had, the thing that they were excited about made those learning opportunities so much more meaningful and engaging for them. Devin, I love the the passion in your voice as you talk about this. <laughs> I mean, it's very clear and obvious how much this moment meant to you and how, um, you know, how exciting it was for you to guide the children through this learning journey. And I'd love it if you just would share with us a little bit about the children's reactions, what, what, what they told you and, and showed you in their actions. What did this mean to them to be able to take so much ownership over their own learning? Yeah, they would, you know, the excitement, things like, oh, look at that truck or what's that truck or, you know, what is, um, what are they doing now? All these questions would come up, you know, they'd be talking to each other, which is really exciting for me to watch. I love it when they, you know, it's not just at me, it's they're interacting with each other. And when they're two and three years old, you don't 
always see that calling each other over, look what's happening now. And they're putting that in there and just this really rich language that was coming out because they were so excited about what they were doing. And so many opportunities to share too, like, you know, sharing the hammers that we were playing with and, you know, can you bring me golf tea and, you know, or a nail because they called them nails, of course. (laughs) Of course. Lots of opportunities for uh, them to interact with each other and for them to interact with me and get that language development going. And yeah, when, when it's about something they are excited about and interested in, it makes it just, you know, they just focus They're they're invested and engaged in it. Absolutely. And it sounds like there was quite a bit of um, connection amongst the children. So it, did this help them to build relationships with each other? Cause I know you have ages two to four. So can you tell us how the children ca- kind of like overcame those age barriers and, and work together? Did you see any mentoring and supporting and learning yeah. from each other? Yeah. I'm, I'm so blessed that the group of children that I have are really connected with each other. And that Uh, happened pretty quickly. And it may have been because of this project being really the start of our program together. They have have grown so much. And um, two of them are siblings. So that helps. That relationship was kind of already established. But then that informs the relationship that all the other children have as well. So the older ones will say, oh, come and look, you know, to the little ones. Or they'll say, you know, try this. Or you know, if a little one is coming up and trying to take something from them, we've really worked hard on acknowledging that the littler ones may have still some learning to do in terms of sharing, right? And, um, you know, I can step in and help, of course, but the older ones really are good about uh, using their words and saying, I'm still using that. Can I have it back, please? Or I'll let you have that when I'm done. We practice that a lot. Um, And so that helps build their relationships for sure. And it sounds like there were so many lessons learned from the children, so much embedded opportunities to discover and explore in this situation. And I wonder for yourself as an educator, what, what would you say are some of the like key lessons you took away from this that are going to impact your future work as an in-home child care provider? Well, I think something I'm always working on, and it started when I was in the, you know, the center-based program and, and a larger classroom is you know, sort of throwing away your checklist, throwing away your preconceived curriculum and being flexible, being in the moment with the students, right? This construction thing totally came out of what they wanted to do and what they were interested in, what they were playing in. And so then it was my job to look at that and say, okay, how can I help them take this further? What can I provide for them? And because I was flexible, because I could say, you know, maybe I thought we were going to learn about, you know, pumpkins because it's fall. Being able to just throw that out and say, no, this is important to the children right now. This construction is important. And there are ways that I can work within that for them. And that flexibility is something that just, it takes a lot of practice. And so having this project be so successful is a reminder to me to to be that, to have that flexibility and say, look, this is, this is how it works. This is the ideal. This is what we want. And so it serves definitely as a reminder to me to keep watching them, to keep asking questions and, um, and to follow their lead 
and see that it does work. And you mentioned something that might have given everybody a little bit of moment of surprise of like throwing out the curriculum, throwing out the lesson plans. So can we can we t- go touch back on that real quick? Because I know it's not just diving in and doing whatever the kids want and throwing things out, right? You clearly have so much knowledge of what you're trying to achieve through the curriculum, right? And what the goals are for the children, the learning standards and the learning goals. And then you were able to arrange and kind of manage this experience so that the children would still meet those 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 standards, those learning goals, those requirements. Is that correct? Yes. I consider my program, I like to use the word play school. I just think that that's such a great term to describe what I do. I have a very gentle preschool curriculum. I'm going to get those learning opportunities in there, but it is play-based and it is largely child-led. So I'm not pulling out that kindergarten readiness checklist every day and going, okay, we have to do math today. You know, I, uh, I want to be aware. Right, right. I was in a training once um, with a trainer who said the children will seek out what they need. And for me, that was really eye-opening to say that, like, I don't need to structure our day and over-schedule all these transitions so that we have math time and we have reading time and we have science time. Letting those things come in more naturally, I think, is more meaningful for the children and, of course, has a lot of other benefits like reducing transitions and, um, and things like that. Absolutely. And it's, and it, and it takes a lot of work. It might sound like it's easier on an educator, but I know it's not. It takes a lot of work on our parts, a lot of research, a lot of support. And what would, what would be some tips that you would have for educators, regardless of the situation that they're working within and the curriculum standards, you know, the expectations they have at at their schools, what would be some tips on how to just start being more comfortable and being more flexible and following the children's leads and giving them more autonomy and ownership in in their learning? Well, like you said, it, it is more work, right? So I watch the kids, I figure out what the interest is that is bubbling up. And then, you know, after they go home in the evenings, I'm doing research I'm looking up things and trying to find, you know, what, what am I going to put out tomorrow that will take that further? So I think keeping that in mind is important. And uh, like I said, it starts with watching and observing, you know, just sit down in, in the corner of the playroom and watch and listen to the conversations that come up. And then that sort of lets you know what the interests are. And once you've identified that, then you can choose activities that have those math skills and counting skills or, you know, whatever the curriculum is that you need to work on. But having it sort of fold under a theme that the children are interested in makes it more meaningful for them. And so really the only limit is your imagination. You know, if they're interested in dinosaurs, then, and you want to do a math activity, then, okay, maybe we're putting polka dots on the back of the dinosaurs. How many spots does this dinosaur have? Um, or eggs, you know, how many uh, eggs did the mama myosaur uh, lay, right? So, you know, that's where that research comes in because I don't, you know, dinosaurs, right? <laughs> you don't just automatically know that? 
<laughs> well, I mean, after 10 years of teaching preschool, I know a lot about dinosaurs, but, <laughs> <laughs> right. um, but just as an example, you know, you, you take that thing that they're interested in, they're constantly taking out the dinosaurs, they're playing with dinosaurs when they're outside, they're acting like dinosaurs, then that's your thing, that's your interest, and then you make the activities that go along with that. And when they are play-based and when they are connected to that interest, it's going to work more for the children. It's going to do more. That, that math concept or whatever it is that you're working on is going to sink in more um, than if it was just something you picked out of, out of the book. And it sounds like it's going to work better for the teacher too. Um, Cause you're just going to be that much more excited and interested and imaginative and curious right. and creative as well. It's fun. It's fun. Yeah. yeah we got to bring fun back into it. Not just for the children, but for the teachers, because those feelings are contagious, right? Those feelings mm-hmm. of excitement mm-hmm. and enthusiasm. Well, Devin, thank you so much for, first of all, the work that you're doing. It sounds wonderful. And thank you for sharing your knowledge and your experience with our listening community. And I wonder what would you hope they're taking away from this conversation? My biggest thing is play is important. You know, it's become sort of a slogan for my my daycare and some of the other things that I do are with the goal of promoting play in our community. I think play is just so important and it's getting better. I think the trends are are getting there where where education is seeing that how important that play is and that you can learn and play at the same time but it's still, it still has a long way to go. And so that, that would be my main hope for a takeaway is that play is important and play is learning and, and it's, it's important. And it's important for teachers to get involved in that play. Absolutely. So we can, we can help children to learn the most from those experiences and take their play further. And I love two quotes I'm taking away myself is play is important. And the only limit is your imagination. Thank you so much for sharing with us today and and having this conversation. Thank you. Thank you again for having me. It's been a pleasure. If you're interested in continuing this conversation with other educators, I'd encourage you to join our class learning community. You can share or learn more strategies with thousands of educators around the world. The link to join is in the show notes available on your listening platform. Also in the show notes is a link to a few really helpful blog posts on this topic that I encourage you to check out. Thanks for joining us today, and I'll see you again next week. But until then, be humble, be teachable, and always keep learning.